Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be embarking on a very interesting discussion around the new space industry and the different services available and the new technologies being developed there. And to do that, we're joined by the founder and CEO of Norway-based Orbital Machines, Avon Liland. Avon, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for having me. It's great to be here. So we're, we're going to be touching on a number of different aspects of the new space industry. Uh, one of the main reasons we're doing that with you, particularly at the moment, is because you're on Cedars currently. You're crowdfunding. Um, I believe from looking this morning, you have surpassed your target. So you've reached the amount of money that you wanted to raise from, from investors. Um, so well done on that. There's obviously a lot of interest uh, from investors there. And that's something that we will discuss in more detail as we get through the, uh, the podcast. But before we do that, we of course want to look at the company specifically, Avon, and the new space industry and where you fit into it, and obviously the, the opportunities there for your business. So initially, would you be able to just give us a brief breakdown of Orbital Machines and what you guys do? Yes. So Orbital Machines obviously wants to revolutionize the new space industry. So uh, the companies that send rockets into space need reliable, safe and affordable technology. But up until now, development of rocket technology has been extremely expensive, required a lot of expertise, has been has had to be tailored to each rocket. And um, up until recently, everything had to be thrown away after being used just once. So uh, we want to contribute to the new space age where new technological opportunities are exploited in order to reduce cost, risk, and create completely new business models that we haven't seen in space yet. Fantastic, fantastic. So there is one particular element of rockets that you're working on in, in the pumps. Um, would you be able to give us a little bit more details about that, please, Avon? And what is the market opportunity for your pumps, who you're working with, what the potential size of the market uh, will be and how things are evolving around your particular technology at the moment. Yes, so uh, we are starting We are starting with uh, what we consider to be one of the most critical components of a, of a launch vehicle, which is the propellant pump. That is the part that pumps uh, oxidizer and fuel into the combustion chamber of the rocket engine. And why is that so important? Well, if you think about it, a rocket is basically 98% fuel and, and oxidizer, 98% propellant. And all of that has to be burned in just a couple of minutes in order for the rocket to reach orbit. And that means you need a very, very powerful pump. And it also has to be very light. And that's why that is such a critical component. And at times it has been ascribed to over half of the budget of developing a launch vehicle. And that's where we are starting. So we are developing standardized Parametric, parametrically designed uh, propellant pumps, electric propellant pumps that we supply to the space industry in order to reduce cost and time to market for uh, all of the activity that is happening right now in the new space industry. 
So what, what does that look like in, in terms of a market size? Of course, it's a rapidly evolving and growing industry. What, what sort of numbers have you got on what this looks like uh, on a monetary value? Yes, thank you. Um, so when SpaceX reached orbit with Falcon 1 in 2009, that kicked off a huge wave of private space companies and investments into the industry. This is what we know as the new space era. And this kind of set off... Um, uh, this is the first time in history that private companies have had such an impact in space. And of course, of course, private investments came along. And before 2009, private investments were almost non-existing. But in 2020, it has hit a record of $9 billion. And that is despite of the COVID-19 outbreak. Fantastic. So it's it's obviously a an industry there that's gaining particular attraction so and even you're you're the founder of orbital machines what made you um set the company up initially yeah so uh, it's a bit of an unusual story i think um i was working as a volunteer on an organization called uh copenhagen suborbitals and copenhagen suborbitals is working on i think the most awesome project i know of which is they want to send the first human to space on a vehicle built by volunteers, which is fully crowdfunded. So they are the world's only crowdfunded manned space program. And they've been working on this since 2009. I came in wanting to, to work on the propellant pump for, the, for their rocket engine for their manned rocket, which they started working on in around 2000, yeah, in middle of 2019. Um, and I started working on that, and I found that instead of using the traditional gas turbine-driven turbopump technology, it was better to use uh, an electrically driven electric propellant pump that was much more flexible, much more easier con to control, much more safe, and therefore much more suitable for such a relatively small rocket. And then we looked around a bit and we saw, oh shit, there's a hundred small launch vehicles in development all over the world. And they are all solving these same problems. And especially the propellant pump is a big pain point. And that's when we decided to spin out a commercial company and we founded Orbital Machines to initially specialize in electric propellant pumps. And yeah, and since the beginning of this year or since the end of last year, we have our first commercial customer, which is a, a French launch vehicle company. Uh, developing uh, a small satellite launcher and we are now working on propellant pumps for this and we have a lot of other uh, customers in the pipeline as well and we are kind of overwhelmed at the moment at all of the interests in this propellant pump so i imagine we have uh, we have found a real pain point in the industry and that's why we are raising money now in order to be able to address all of the customer interest so you mentioned there there's a significant level of, of customer interest. I mean, where, where do you see that taking um, orbital machines in, in the future? And what's your long-term vision for the company? Yeah, so we, we are starting with electric propellant pumps. It's kind of the heart of the, of the whole thing, um, not just for launch vehicles, but also if you, if you look a bit longer into the future, what is really going to open up space exploration and space travel in the solar system is when we start producing propellant in space. And there are plans to start producing um, propellant on the moon, on Mars, mining on asteroids and so on. Um, what, what is really limiting large scale space travel is that all of the propellant has to be lifted off, up from Earth 
and into the orbit. If you think about it, um, you have this huge rocket just to lift a tiny payload into orbit, and you have to bring all of the propellant that you need to go somewhere else. So, so that's really the large scale. And all of that propellant stuff going on in space needs a whole lot of electric propellant pumps. So this is really a, a key, key product. However, in the midterm, we really want to become the kind of the intel inside of the space industry. So we start with propellant pumps, which is kind of the heart. However, we will move on to, uh, yeah, first other things that we also have to kind of develop, sensors, uh, interconnect, and so on. And then other parts as well uh, of the rocket. And, and our goal is to be really delivering a complete system with components that talks to each other so that um, launch service providers do not have to build everything from scratch when they want to offer launch services. So, I mean, that, that's where you see the, the company going, Avon. I mean, you, you've obviously got uh, a significant level of experience working within the, the space industry. I mean, in your view, of course, we've, we've been seeing, um, you know, lots of different headlines. And then in the last week, of, you know, Jeff Bezos is going to go into space and taking somebody with him. You know, that's one element of it. You mentioned mining there, but your personal vision for the future of space, where, where do you see things going uh, with humans in space? Yeah, so uh, on a little bit of a more philosophical, like what inspires me, I think one thing that inspires me is that for some reason, we are a species that is capable of flying in space and possibly living on other planets. And, you know, this could be the point in time when life in the solar system actually spreads from Earth to other planets and moons. And if you think about it, what has happened here is pretty amazing. You know, we developed from apes. We, we were living in the jungle and somehow while facing the challenges of looking for food and building huts to live in, we also developed the ability to read and write and do math and build spaceships and do all of the other things. Um, yeah, and, and that's kind of, if you think about it, that is pretty crazy. And as I said, once we solve this whole rocket propellant uh, problem, large-scale space travel is possible. Uh, so, yeah, so you need propellant, uh, propellant pumps for all of that stuff, and that's where we come in. Fantastic, fantastic. So... Where, where are you with Orbital Machines at the moment, Avon? What have you achieved in, in the company? Of course, you're crowdfunding at the moment. Investors will be interested to, to know where you are as a company. So what are your key milestones and achievements to date? So since founding the company, we have been developing the electric propellant pump for uh, Copenhagen Suborbital's crewed rocket that will lift the first person to space on a volunteer-built vehicle. That was kind of the deal when we spun out from them. Um, and we've, we've come quite a far with this pump. We have lab tested it with water in the lab, uh, done several iterations, and we are aiming to perform a full-scale rocket engine test with them later this year. That will be a big milestone. This is the, by far the biggest rocket engine driven by an electric pump ever. Um, yeah, and then earlier this year, we signed our first commercial customer, Venture Orbital Systems, uh, a French launch vehicle, and just a couple of weeks ago, we delivered our first delivery and we have the first prototypes of the pumps <laughs> sitting on my desk here. I wish I could show them. <laughs> um, that was a big milestone as well. Uh, we are preparing also towards uh, the, the contract for phase two of that project, which will then also uh, move us to a full-scale rocket engine test with them. Yeah, uh, another interesting thing is that... so. One of the key technologies here is, is batteries. 
The reason why we are focusing on small launch vehicles is that all of the benefits of electric propellant pumps are uh, really uh, a neat, really nice fit for, for small launch vehicles that want to launch often uh, for little money. They want to be cheap and frequent. Uh, however, for large vehicles, the weight of the battery is still a concern. And we have just signed a letter of interest with a battery company that develops next generation batteries that is less than half of the weight. And how are we able to do this? Well, it turns out that these next generation batteries, they are looking for applications where they do not have to produce batteries in huge volumes like they would need to do for, for example, the car industry. They're looking for applications where they can produce them in fairly small volumes and still have a huge benefit. So launch vehicles is such a, such an application. So we get, we're going to get access to this high-tech new battery technology before the car industry, even though the car industry is kind of the driver for all of this innovation in the, in the uh, batteries and electric motors. And I, I am quite excited about that. Lovely, lovely. So you're, you're discussing today, uh, I mean, one of the main reasons that you're with us is because you're currently crowdfunding uh, on Cedars yes. uh, at, the, at the moment. So you did mention there uh, a number of key achievements. So why now, Avon, are you on Cedars? Yeah, uh, we are actually from the beginning a fully crowdfunded company. And um, that is kind of in our DNA. So we are a spin-off from Copenhagen Suborbitals, like I mentioned many times already, um, which is a fully crowdfunded organization. Now, we are a commercial entity. We are not uh, a volunteer organization, uh, a non-profit organization. However, we really like the idea of having a huge, uh, diverse pool of kind of ordinary investors. We have 240 shareholders right now. After Cedars, we will probably have 500 more. Um, uh, and try to uh, bring profit to those people. Um, however, we are looking for a larger round after this, where we will need to most likely go to the to the big funds in order to get them. Um, but the, the the Cedars campaign is actually a, it is a so-called convertible note campaign, which means that the people investing there now they will they will participate in that big round that we do hopefully later this year, but at a twenty percent discount and at a maximum share price as well. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, we're trying to bring those little investors with us. And that is part of what we are trying to do, along with you know trying to democratize access to space, get it out of the hands of the superpowers and um, you know organizations connected to the military and, and stuff like this. We believe in a future where uh, many small companies are in space, where, where space is available and accessible to everyone. Indeed, indeed. Uh, the, the convertible route for companies crowdfunding at the moment is becoming uh, more popular for the reasons that you just outlined there. So, I mean, one, one of the key elements uh, for investors looking at companies such as yourselves in the early stages are always very interested to know about the people that are at the helm of, uh, of a business. So would you be able to give us a breakdown of your team, please, Avon, so people can get a, a good idea of who's leading the push forward at Orbital Machines? Yeah, so we are three founders, uh, me, Lucas, and Ulla. Um, so uh, Ulla came along very early, uh, helped me with the first crowdfunding campaign. 
Uh, he's uh, he's a business developer in this company. He studied uh, business at the, at the most uh, prestigious school in Norway. Um, and um, yeah, he keeps his hands on investors and business strategy. He's been involved in several startups before as business developer and CEO as well. Yeah, and CEO as well. Um, Lucas is from Berlin, has been involved in starting three tech startups in the past. He is a great engineer, even though he studied art, <laughs> which is always, uh, those people are always good to have on the team. Um, as for me, I've also been involved in, in tech startups before, such as Swarm64 in Berlin, where I was co-founder and CEO. And um, I was an early employee at Phalanx in Trondheim, Norway, where we developed uh, graphics processors for mobile phones. So that was a different business. But uh, that's also one of Norway's big startup successes. So um, I would say we have a very strong team when it comes to startup experience. And we also afterwards have added uh, employees from, with backgrounds from Airbus, uh, national space agencies, um, Rolls-Royce, and so on, and kind of fleshed out the um, those space technology skill areas as well. And then we, of course, have a good connection with Copenhagen Suborbitals with all of the kind of do-it-yourself attitude. They know how to do things in a different way than, than you know, NASA and those expensive projects. They, they really know how to get stuff working and not blow the budget. So I would say that's a very interesting mix. Yeah, very, very, uh, very important. Avind mm. uh, um, in the early stages. So, I mean, just to finish off now, people, you know, have obviously listened to what you've been doing as a company, the market opportunity there. But in in your view, why should people uh, invest in your round on seeders in orbital machines now? Yeah. So very, very short. In short, very succinct. We are solving a key problem in a very interesting industry that is growing very quickly. Uh, the new space era has awakened a lot of investors and it is a huge opportunity that lies there. Uh, we're solving an obvious problems for this industry and we will be a critical piece of the new space puzzle going forward. Thank, thank you very much. So that was um, Avin Liland, who is the CEO and founder of Orbital Machines, currently listed on Cedars. Anybody listening to this, do check out the notes to the podcast because in there will be a link through to the Cedars page where you'll be able to find some more um, information. And anyone subscribed to the newsletter of the UK Investor Magazine will be able to see uh, an article as well as further information about the crowdfunding campaign in the in the coming days. So do check that out. Avin, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. It was a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 